Yeah, here. We're fine. Welcome to Get in the Garage. I'm your host, Mike. With me, as always, Jeff and Luke. Today, we have a little bit of a special treat for you, uh, seeing as we are now members of the Wasted Robot Podcast Network. We thought we would uh, start off this new era of Get in the Garage with uh, something a little bit on the sillier side. Uh, so we were trying to think of our favorite biopics. I mean, there's so many. You have so many. Line, you have Ray. Doors. You know. The Doors, yeah, like all, I mean, some better than others, but definitely all great in their own unique way. And we thought, really, I think, I think the the one that moved me most <laughs> was probably uh, the movie Walk Hard about uh, famous country singer-songwriter Dewey Cox. Legend. A legend in his own right. The chameleon. A man who, uh, the, the chameleon. <laughs> the white the Indian. The white Indian, the shapeshifter. <laughs> He's been called the drifter, the shapeshifter, the master chef, the chameleon, the problem child, the hard one, the white Indian, the giant midget. Ladies and gentlemen, Dewey Cox. <laughs> oh, yes. So... Dewey Cox, um, we uh, we rewatched the we rewatched the film this weekend, and um, just full of just. I mean, the the funny thing is, is th- this movie was made like was co produced by like Judd Apatow. This yeah. is during like the height of the Judd Apatow like comedy era. This is two thousand and seven, uh, and it really it flopped. Yeah, I think it movie. lost like fifteen million dollars or something. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> in true Dewey like Cox fashion. I read an old Rolling Stone interview with John C. Riley that was like released shortly after it came out, and he's just like, "I just hope like the studio makes their money back." <laughs> <laughs> it was just such a bomb, but it's since become kind of a cult classic, I guess maybe you could call it. Um, as as ridiculous and hilarious as it is, it's a, actually like a really well made movie. I think it cost him like $34 million to make it. Uh, but you can, you can kind of see all $34 million in this film. Cause like it, it, it feels like an authentic biopic, but it's just interwoven with absolute ridiculous parody and hilarity and all that stuff. So I'd say um, it's like the, it's definitely the Ray and walk, um, the walk the line movies that came out like it's the definitely like a sharp parody of that but also it's um has like strong spinal tap flavor all over as well so like that is also great too like i really enjoy that aspect of it you know what i mean because it's it's like carries on the musical like tradition of that kind of parody so yeah i love it the music in this movie man underrated because none yeah. of those biopics, well, well, they, you know, they all use the original music, but this had to, they had to write all these original songs to make fun <laughs> of all these different artists and eras. And it, it works, man. The songs are actually well written. Yeah, I think this, that's the thing. Yeah. It, it hold this movie really does hold up super well. And now, like, when, like, um, they make a new bio, a music biopic, it's <laughs> right. like, it, you can't, like, you have to watch this movie to make sure you don't fall into those horrible tropes that everybody does. Yeah. And then if you do, they're like, oh, this is just a Dewey Cox story all over again, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so we thought we would lead, it, lead into this. Now, Dewey Cox, the thing that makes, that's so unique about his career is very much, like the the chameleon nickname would give him, he's a shape. He is a shapeshifter <laughs> in that way, where he has several. We have several eras of Dewey Cox, and we thought we would lead into this conversation with talking about what our personal favorite eras are. So, Jeff, why don't you tell us what your favorite Dewey Cox era is? Okay, so I, there's a lot to choose from here. Uh, he has a whole breadth of styles. Maybe my favorite Dewey Cox era is it's only like. 30 seconds in the movie but i think my, my absolute favorite if i have to pick one is his cocaine fueled punk era 
where he just yeah. screams, sings, walk hard, and his band like look. You know, the good thing about this movie, they all look like they're playing their instruments, and they're all angrily doing it. And he's scre- and John C. Riley has that like permanently furrowed brow, so he looks so insane. And he ends the song by going "Oi!" <laughs> like it's a, like it's a British punk song. The 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 bass player yeah, the bass in that scene like, down picking the whole time, looking so angry. You look like one of them punks. <laughs> so I mean, if I have to pick one, I guess that's the one I'm picking. Just because it's it's 30 seconds, it makes me crack up every single time I see it. I think I like to try me some of that cocaine. Great Dewey era, great Dewey. Mike, what is your what is your favorite Dewey era? Um, you know, it was it was tough because like Jeff said, there are just there's so many fun sort of like little ones that lead into other ones. But I think if I had to choose, I was talking about it with Jade and I was like, you know, I, I think I love the Donovan Dillon era. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> and, he's, and it's and listen, this is a lighthearted podcast. We understand that this film crosses lines. It, it, it crosses a lot of lines. So like, you know, maybe like a light trigger warning here, but the when he does the uh Let Me Let Hold, me hold you. you Midget Man song <laughs> It's just, and it's so, it is, the, the lyrical content behind it is so silly because he's just like, like the elevator, the elevator buttons are just too high. Like, I'm going to pick you up. I'll make you feel like you can fly. Like, And then, um, so the dogs will stop licking your face. It's like, oh my God, man. It's so, it's so absurd and ridiculous. And then of course, yeah, the Dylan where he's just like doing that rambling on. Mailboxes sorta... drip like lampposts in the twisted birth canal of the Coliseum. <laughs> yes. This song's really deep, man. How about the how about the, like... the let me let me hold you uh song? We're in the back of the crowd, you have the short panther party. <laughs> or like yeah. little people holding signs and they're dressed like black panthers. Um <laughs> I watched that scene with my girlfriend the other day, and um, oh my God. in the background, um, I don't know why they didn't catch this, but there was a ton of brand new vehicles like driving <laughs> on the road in the back of that scene. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's so good. And when he's in the press conference and they're just like, don't you think you sound a little bit like, a little bit too much like Bob Dylan? He's like, you ever think the name Bob Dylan sounds a little bit too much like Dewey Cox? <laughs> Oh my god, that's it's great! Just, and it's funny because I watched an interview with John C. Riley about that part of the movie, and he's just like, uh, he said something to the effect of like that was the most nervous he was because like he's a big music fan anyway, and obviously like Bob Dylan yeah. is the guy, you know, like and all that. So he's like, I was nervous, but uh, sort of, you know, I'm I'm not speaking from verbatim here, but if he basically is just like, yeah, you know. Um, I was nervous about writing the song because you don't want to shit on Bob Dylan, but at the same time, even though the words were completely like just gobbledygook garbage, <laughs> like it really it it worked, yeah. though, you know. And that's kind of like what you were talking about earlier, and we'll get into a little bit later in the podcast. But just like how, yeah, like the songwriting is actually like pretty up to pretty yeah. up to par. Like I'm like this isn't bad at all. Like <laughs> so, yeah, Donovan Dylan era. <laughs> uh, how about you, Luke? Um, my favorite Dewey era is um is uh seventies like uh, variety show oh, um, disco, Dewey disco Dewey yes. um that because of that that like thirty second clip of him doing Starman is <laughs> <laughs> so funny because he's just, it's like people that really happened like the Osmonds would be singing like Bowie for no reason yeah. the Partridge Family it's so great and he's just like. There's a star, man! And it's just... Oh, I can't... I love that scene. And then I looked it up online, and there's, like, they made... They shot... This is why this film was probably so expensive. Like, every shot in that scene, there's, like, a longer version of it. With, like, the full him doing the full song. It's amazing. So... And he sang... He sang everything. Yeah. He was the... I think the only one that actually did 
sing a lot of it and play a lot of guitar mm. on most of it, yeah. I love, and I just love the Bowie choice, too, because, like, it is, like, so of that era, and it's so on the nose of, like, every artist just was like, we gotta yeah. do space now. Like, I, I, like, I like how the, the show theme song was just a disco version of Walk Hard, which, Walk is, hard. which is what those artists would do back then. You're like the Johnny Cash show and, yeah. and uh, Glenn Campbell variety hour and all that stuff. It's oh, so uh, funny. Yeah, like the John Denver too, right. like all that good stuff. Also in that scene, I love Dewey's um, like um, Glenn Campbell jacket yeah. that he's wearing. <laughs> pretty great well hey yeah. good good segue there let's talk about some of the costumes in in this movie because they're very period specific and very on the nose and like reminiscent of artists that they were parroting so uh mike what's what are some costumes that you really enjoy why don't you give us a couple um i think i love the the dark period the guilty <laughs> charge, where he's dressed like the matador <laughs> same <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so good, especially when it like, it's like the montage. He's like, "Fuck, this is a dark period." He's like yeah. screaming. <laughs> um, I mean, I love that. I think, I think it was like when the Brian Wilson era, when he's just wearing like the like the mumu, yeah, like swirly linen mumus. Yeah, he's got the, the big bushy beard, and like the hair is so like. You know, like I'm losing my mind. Smile, Aaron yeah. Pine Wilson, um, and he's just jumping on the trampoline. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I think all the all the outfits are really great, but yeah, I'd say maybe like those those two. For I mean, you got to highlight, yeah. especially just the guiltiest charge because that one is just like it's so like it's perfect. Yeah, it's so it's perfect. black it's, with the red <laughs> red like yeah. accents on the shoulders and. <laughs> Yeah, but the, but again though the costumes like everything else in the film, you know, it's it's putting those millions of dollars to work because it really comes through in the outfits, man. Especially with that one, like it's so good, it's so so good. But what about you? Jeffrey? Um, so yeah, I think that's my favorite costume is that black, uh, bolero type bullfighter costume with the sunglasses. Um, but some other ones I really like. I I like uh, when they're living in Berkeley. And uh, Darlene, Jenna Fisher's character, has the crocheted, like, rainbow dress. And Dewey's wearing a white shirt with, like, tons of flowers all over it. It's a good one. <laughs> and then I also, I really love um, his variety show period where he has the navy blue tracksuit with the head, <laughs> the, the orange <laughs> white headband. <laughs> it's just so stupid. <laughs> Um, I am right, hands down my favorite costume is the like the one right before he goes on stage for the talent show oh, where like yeah. where he's like supposed to be twelve yeah. or, or whatever or fourteen and the ba- the rest of his band is like literally like child actors yeah. and he's like all this shit looking. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favorite scenes. Because he's just, like, all the other kids are in, like, the same kind of outfit, and they look, like, normal, and then he just looks like a, like, a giant, he's so ugly, he's, like, wearing the, the same outfit as little kids, and it's just, oh, I just love it so much. That's yeah. probably, hands down, my favorite, like, Dewey's, like, mm. costume. Yeah, I, the one I hate, I'll say one I hate, because the look is just so bad, but it's that, like, Osmond's look, when he's about to have a fight with his dad in the barn, and he's wearing that... Like turquoise oh, blue yeah. V-neck sweater with the white turtleneck and white pants. It's so ugly. It's so gross. It looks like it smells like baby powder. Yeah. It just looks like one of those bad album covers from like a Christian family band in the 70s. It's so bad. Love it. I love it. Uh, all right. Well, moving moving into... Because uh, in, in a lot of these scenes we're mentioning, you yeah. know, some great cameos. Um I'll 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 leave this one off. Like one of my favorite cameos has it has to be uh Jack White <laughs> as Elvis. <laughs> He's like, look out, man. And then any you know, and then he, he ends it off with like a bunch of weird gibberish and all that. And then Dewey Cox is you know, is just kinda like, What the fuck was he talking about? <laughs> He's like, Oh my like, hell. <laughs> look out, man. <laughs> Um, I love that, and um, and I love uh, <laughs> uh, the Beatles 
I mean, you can't, you, you know, you got to love like the Beatles uh, <laughs> part of it where it's like, what, uh, what the hell is his name? That that plays Ringo. Jason Schwartzman. Oh, uh, yeah, Jason, Jason Schwartzman. Yeah, he's my favorite of of that. You know, of that lineup. Like, oh man, I love Jason because he's like, I wrote a song about him. <laughs> oh, my favorite is uh, I don't really care much for meditation. <laughs> and he just throws up the peace sign. I like I like George Harrison that scene where he says, "Oh my guitar gently whimpers." <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I'm just. Yeah. I'm just trying to get some songs in the album, you know. <laughs> and all their all their accents are so bad; they're so stupid. <laughs> yeah, we're from Liverpool. Liverpool. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. So that uh, Paul Rudd as John Lennon, um, Paul McCartney as Jack Black, uh, Jason Schwartzman as Ringo, and then um, oh, what's his Justin name? I can't think Long. of it. Justin yeah. Long. Uh, Mac. As... Mac. <laughs> <laughs> as just. Uh, George Harrison, uh, pretty good, pretty good. I like, I like uh, Jack White as Elvis. Yeah, is, I think like so I good. Think that's hands down. I mean, he yeah. steals the show because only two people know it. It's the king and the Chinese. <laughs> right. Chinese and the king. <laughs> I got two things to tell you. Number one, I'm the king, and number two, look out, man. <laughs> look out, man. Oh, and it's great too because the joke, you know, I mean, karate originated from Japan too, so it just makes the joke so much like. <laughs> oh, um, my fa- oh, my favorite cameo. I was thinking about this because, like, I was trying to think of one I really liked is the one I referenced in the intro, which is Eddie Vedder oh, giving yeah. the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame speech. Because, <laughs> um, if you ever watch, I think he does the Ramones one, and it's like it's really it's like almost yeah. exactly the same thing, and that's why I love it so much. <laughs> also. Um, in that like cameo because it's just like that at the end of the Ramones documentary, um, end of the century. It's like right after like the end of the movie ends on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and it's like Didi Ramone died three months later of a heroin <laughs> overdose, and then like that the movie ends and it's Dewey Cox, and it's like Dewey Cox died three hours later. It's almost spot on with like the whole Eddie Vedder thing, and that's I just love that cameo because I, it really pokes fun at like a specific movie and like spot of like the Ramones and that's why I really like mm. that part of it so mm. weird cameo and I just love the speech he gives the shapeshifter the white <laughs> <Yeah>. Indian <laughs> um also there's a four and a half minute long piece of it that's extended like they're actually at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Eddie Vedder gives a full speech instead of like that one that's short in the movie so uh check that out on, it's on YouTube uh, a, a cameo that I really like uh, it's an actor named Paul Bates plays Leroy, the club owner, the black club owner in, near the beginning of the movie. Uh, that actor, for those of you who don't know, in the movie Coming to America, he's like the king's assistant who sings the song She's Your Queen to Be. It's the same, the same actor. Oh, that's him? And I just love, he has some great quotes. Um, we're going to get into quotes later. But I just love the fact like he is the perfect actor for that part where he's just like, this big middle-aged black guy who is like, don't give me no bullicky. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then I also really like pre like fame, fame, Ed Helms in that Elvis scene, he plays uh, the stage manager and he, he is just like this crazed, like foaming at the mouth. He's like, I just love this rock and roll music. His southern accent in that scene is also pretty great. It's like a judge, like an old southern judge. Like, uh, oh, and and another good one, like how Luke said the Eddie Better thing is it's so good because it's it's almost word for word for what he had done in real life. I love David Crumholtz in this movie as uh, his manager. Dewey's manager, and I love the ca- the casting of that because David Crumholtz, like three years earlier, played Ray Charles's manager in Ray, and then he's like just doing a joke version of the same exact character in this movie. It's Little Nutsack. <laughs> Little and Nutsack. I forget his name, but like most of the this this movie was written by two Jewish guys, and like the Jew Jewish jokes are so crazy and over the top, like. The characters' names are like Schmendrick and Lachaim and Dreidel, and like it's just so yeah. Mazel Tov. It's just like so stupid. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I like oh, him in yeah. that because it's just like 
Man, he did a perfect like <clears throat> version. Oh, say that again, Jeff. I'm sorry, we lost you there. He played such a dramatic. Oh, I, I like how it was just like the dramatic version that was so perfect in Ray, and then it's just like such stupidity in Walk Hard. Yeah. Well, speaking of characters, you know, we talked to cameos. What about supporting characters that you like? Can you do um, let do some uh, honorable mentions because we may have like the same answer. Oh, honorable, yeah, yeah. honorable mentions yeah. for supporting. Uh, who did, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really trying to think. I really like oh uh, the I drummer love the, Tim Meadows uh, yeah, as as Sam. I think yeah he, yeah he's my favorite. Uh, he's I think. favorite. <laughs> yeah, um, because. He's great because, like, obviously he's, like, the drug person that's in the whole movie. Uh, the closet scene scenes are amazing, the callbacks. Also, the part of the movie where he's like, you never paid for not drugs. Once. Not once. Not and that's, once. That's, like, his only complaint to Dewey Cox <laughs> in the whole movie is that he just didn't pay for drugs. And everyone else has got these crazy, like, like complaints and accusations against and him. And he's so good because he's so straight-faced for most of the movie. He's like, Dewey Cox needs to think about his whole life before he plays. But then there's, like, those brief moments, like that Tim Meadows thing where he does the, like, raised eyebrows or, like, the big grin, and he breaks the character. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's almost like he he narrow uh he's like a like a right. kind of like a narrator of the movie. You know, because he's like um even when he's like this is some uh he's like you don't understand this song. This song's really deep. When he's yeah. like in the Dylan face, he's the one that says that and stuff. Or he's like this is a dark period right now. Oh my god. I think yeah. it, but, um, go ahead. I also Oh, no, I was going to say like if my favorite support in this though is um oh, Edith. okay. The, his wife uh, was that Kristen Wiig. Yeah. Um, I just love how like um, the running joke between them is that she's really young; she's twelve years old. <laughs> like, when, but she's also old as shit. <laughs> so that makes me laugh hysterically. Um, uh, I also love how like she her lines of di- dialogue are is spoken like a twelve year old <laughs> would be. <laughs> the candy house like thing is amazing. Um, like that that's one of the uh, her best quotes but i also love how she's like you're never gonna make it that's my favorite joke she has in the whole thing um because in the beginning she's like i'm gonna support you regardless of anything and whatever and it's like i'm never gonna let you down and then you know every phone call is like you're never gonna make yeah. it bye click you <laughs> like make your dreams come true <laughs> um yeah so edith when she's like you're never gonna make it i love that whole like joke running line um and yeah, I just love it at how too she's um how she is like completely like just negative towards him in like every aspect, like when he's like has a number one song and he's like, <laughs> I have a number one song in the radio and she's like, Well you're never gonna make it and like yeah. still even like at that point. Um so that's why I'm just like, you know, I really love that whole character and all the jokes that come along with it in the twelve year oldness and they look old and that's I just love that. Now she's always pregnant with like eighty babies too. Yeah, I like <laughs> I like Darlene a lot, Jenna Fisher's character. I like just how she comes in and she's just like wearing the huge crucifix and doing the whole innocent thing. But they're like so highly sexualized. They're like <laughs> sleeping on top of each other in the same bunk on the tour bus, and she's just like she's so just like doe-eyed at times, but then just screaming and crazy at other times. <laughs> Um, Sam is an honorable mention because I love I love the Tim Meadows character. In this, but my favorite character in this in this movie, the favorite supporting character is Pa. Yeah, the, the angry dad because he's just he the guy is the actor is like the angry dad in everything you've ever seen. And he has he has like five five varieties of lines, but he's so perfect in every scene. He just makes me laugh every time I see him. The wrong kid dad. Kid dad. Um, right on. Well, let's 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 talk into like the the casting then, because this kind of you know all falls mm. into like the same thing. Like, so who do you who did you find was like the best uh, casted character, Luke? Uh, obviously, I'm gonna like shout out John C. Riley because he of sings course. all the songs in this movie. Um, he like really 
and like he makes it so it's not like you're watching like four different parody movies like they like it could be really bad where like each like um dewey era could be like almost like a whole different movie but you get this like through line of dewey cox which is like just amazing and you like really axe his ass off to like make that a whole through statement um and this is what i think makes it like a the one of the great comedies of like you know of like my our, our era like mm. this came out when we were like kids uh, or in high school era but um so i think like he's cast really perfectly they also like cast like um even like jack white being elvis like a amazing and then buddy holly being frankie muniz no, like I, I hate frankie muniz and that <laughs> i love it because he's like a dork and he buddy just, holly's a said, dork and... well i'm i'm buddy holly <laughs> that's like, that's <laughs> i love it um so like stuff like that i really like um you know and it seems like um oh what's his name from the office uh daryl the guy that plays oh, daryl oh, from Craig, the office Craig robinson Right, like, even him, Craig Robinson, like, um, singing in the beginning, because he, like, does uh, great musical stuff. He plays piano in, in real life, and, and you just, I just love how they were, like, they use people's, like, real strengths to, like, really bring the characters to life, you know? Mm. Like, even, like, Kristen Wiig, like, that casting choice where she's, like, you know, like, screaming and manic and crazy and, like, doe-eyed and, like, a little kid and, <laughs> um, like, that whole, like, she plays, all like, that so well. Like, who do you guys like? Uh, I I really like the casting of the band, uh, Matt Besser and Chris Parnell and Tim Meadows, because like those guys look like how band members of like Johnny Cash looked in the fifties. <laughs> like they're just very everyday looking dudes. Matt Besser is like tall and like just has this stone face, and he has this voice where he just talks like this, doing. <laughs> and Chris Parnell is, like, so... He's, like, just this weird, like, latchkey, like, hanger-on who's desperate for Dewey's affection. Um, and, and I love Raymond J. Barry as the dad, because he just is, like... Anytime I see that guy, we you have to say the quote, the wrong, the wrong kid dad. The wrong kid dad. And died. he's an angry dad in every single thing I've ever seen. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, you got, we, we talked about it a little bit again, you know, uh, <laughs> all the guys playing the Beatles, like it was a good match too. Cause even Jason Schwartzman looks like Ringo, yeah. has, like the whole like two thing with like the, like, the sad <laughs> clown look that Ringo star kind of has. Um, I forget the actor's name, but the guy who played Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. <laughs> oh, right. From, from 40 year old virgin. Yeah, from forty. Yeah, the one that's always talking about him fucking a goat. Yeah, yeah. Gary, <laughs> Gary Bednum. Yeah, is his name. Um, he, I mean, he was just he was like the perfect Mahari Shemesh because because it's like if, if even if you like watch like the videos of of him, you know, when the Beatles actually went to India, you're like, oh man, it's like perfect. He he pulls it off like so well, you know. Um, I think, like, another, like, casting choice, too, is, like, a lot of the people they cast were musicians anyway, so, like, it really helped, like, the spinal tapness of it, like, Jack Black is a musician, Jason Schwartzman's a musician, um, um, John C. Riley like, sung all his parts and played guitar and actually toured as Dewey Cox before the movie <laughs> came out, so, like, I feel like that added all to, like, the, the casting of it, because they really, like, when they're playing, like, even, um, uh, who's the bass player, uh, the actor? Yeah, Chris Parnell. Yeah, Chris Parnell, even when, he, like, we talked about that punk scene, the way he's playing the bass is, like, exactly how a punk bass player would play, like, if you were in, like, Joy Division or something like that, and you're playing really up high and, like, television, and so that's why I really just, like, they all had, like, a and knack they all looked like they were really playing so i thought that was like a great hmm. add-on yeah if i can touch back to i know i know we kind of did cameos but this all kind of falls into the same yeah. sort of category anyway just with casting uh jock mcbray jack mcbrayer who oh. <laughs> has a quick little thing as the like the radio dj he's like here's a new song from dewey cox that was made 35 minutes ago and he, like, <laughs> Like, it's just like, just those little, those little nuggets, you know, of just kind of these random actors just layered in. Uh, Another random actor that we were talking about, uh, I think before we started rolling here, was the the Sun Records producer, Mm -hmm. uh, the guy that was playing the Sam Phillips role, also just a great character actor, um, with that whole, like, um, faith in the Jewish people um, scene, 
I feel like that guy played like the, you know, because in the uh, Johnny Cash movie, you have the part where he's like, if you don't play me a song that really changes everybody's lives and changes the exact moment of your entire, <laughs> every trajectory in your entire moment. And like, he's really laying it down and like all the shit he's saying is it like, well, like kind of word for word, what they say in like uh, the Johnny Cash movie, but completely different. Just though, like the, just like the Jack McBriar, like 30 seconds after, it's just a great like moment of like, that guy plays that so spot yeah, on. John Michael Higgins. I, I love what he's like with these men that you've never met before. <laughs> you can tell <laughs> that explains your entire life. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, so gosh. good. All right, cool. Well, let's take a, uh, let's take a quick commercial break. Uh, and then we'll come back and we'll round out a couple more of our most favorite things from Walk Hard. We'll be right back. Most of us, i.e. comedians, treat open mics as a necessary evil. But not Silas P. Every week, Silas talks to a veteran of the sights, sounds, and smells of the Philly open mic scene, sharing stories of momentary triumph and lingering failure with enough shit talk sprinkled in to make you listen to hear your name. I'm like 35% sure that I'm in there. So pay attention, hang out in the room, and maybe you'll learn why you got bumped on the launching pod. Welcome back, everyone, to Get in the Garage. Today we are covering Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. Um, so coming in from the break, you know, we talked about favorite cameo, supporting characters, and casting. Uh, tying into it a little bit more as well, favorite artist parodies. Um... There's some I, big ones in this movie. Yeah, there are some def, there's some some big ones. I'll I'll leave this one off and highlight some of my favorite artist parodies just just from who like who Dewey Cox is parodying cuz the thing is is like there's so there's you know there's so much but um I mean we talked about like our favorite eras so this kind of ties into that too but I I definitely love like say at the end when you have a very like late life Glenn Campbell Dewey Cox <laughs> kind of like confused and kind of like whoa what's going on here you know he's like i don't even know if i can do it anymore like that kind of a thing um <laughs> um yeah and then obviously like the brian wilson the dylan donovan the the uh the ring of fire era johnny cash parody um and one of the things i like most about it too was the fact that his singing style although the persona is very a la johnny cash the singing style is so roy orbison Right. You know, and I, I, that's one thing I love about that, too. So it's, it is like a parody of a Roy Orbison song at times, too, which I really enjoyed. Um, my favorite artist parody is like a, like a slight thing, and it's the Michael Jackson exotic pets um, <laughs> yeah. trope that keeps happening. Um, I love it because like, he, he has like the bubbles, the monkey, obviously. I forget what the they named the monkey in the movie, but... um. So it's like the chimp was obviously the Michael Jackson thing, the giraffe in the window, and that whole part where he's like, I played a zoo and they're giving me five thousand dollars. I said, No, you're not, you're gonna give me that giraffe. <laughs> and then um and then the um the guitar player's like, That's a great draft, Dewey. That's a great draft. Like talking him up on it. Um also when he's breaking up with Edith and they're getting divorced, and he's like Oh, uh, what if what if I get you a crow that says all the phrases I say? Like, good morning, honey, and she's she's like, it's not about the exotic pets, doing. Um, so that's like it's like a smaller one, but I just love like the Michael Jackson exotic mm. pets trope. Oh, it's so out there, and I love that. I like the I like the Ray Charles uh, nods, like when he kills his brother with machete, and then his mom says, "You've gone smell blind." <laughs> he loses his smell. And also, like when he's he's he goes to he goes to rehab, and the doctors he's like I'm freezing. And the doctor says he needs blankets, and then he's like I'm burning up. He needs less blankets. And he's like I'm hot and cold at the same time. Doctor, somehow he needs more and less blankets. <laughs> oh, the so other stupid. The other um, one I really like is um, I don't know if this is like an exact parody of somebody like in particular, but it's the, in the Walk Hard mo- uh, in the uh, Walk the Line movie is the thing where he keeps pulling out the sinks in the <laughs> whole film. 
that's like my favorite thing too. Cause like every time he gets upset, he just runs to the nearest sink, rips it off the wall, and starts screaming. Um, so that that trope is like is such a great artist parody. Those are, those two are definitely hands down my favorite. Uh, I also love the 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 <laughs> the pulling of the inspiration behind Walk the Line, where in in and walk the line she's like you can't walk no line and then like the, all the great songs that dewey cox writes all come from arguments with people he's like i will walk hard and then he stops and then there's one where edith is leaving and then she's like uh what is it uh, she, yeah because he caught her uh she, she caught him rather cheating and he's like you caught me guilty as charged and he's like guilty as charged she's like don't, don't you be writing no songs right now dewey <laughs> That's a pretty good title. So yeah, I love that running gag too, where it's like, yeah, all he all his greatest hits come from like these and these these moments of tragedy that inspire his genius. You know, it's just like it's so funny. And of course the the artist parody, you know, it's not funny to make light of it, I guess, but it is still funny. It's a comedy, you know, you cross some lines. But the like complete insanity in the studio with a hundred musicians like Brian Wilson with the long beard and he's just screaming about how he needs more Aboriginal percussionists. <laughs> well, yes. And did we talk about uh, this on the air that Van Dyke's Park, Van Dyke's Park, who worked with Brian Wilson on Smile, actually helped write that song in that movie too, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, well, le- leading into the next section, I guess. One of, well, I think one of your favorite quotes, Jeff, come from the Brian Wilson era to move on to some of our favorite quotes from the film. Oh, I got some. Yeah, I like when he says, I'm hearing more Aboriginal percussionists and I want an army of didgeridoos, 50,000 didgeridoos. <laughs> uh, and then the band is like, uh, I, th- I think the goat sang on this song more than I did. <laughs> and he says, Dewey, are you saying you don't need us no more? Not unless you can open your mind and learn to play the fucking Thimmerman. <laughs> I also love in that scene the glass cats. Oh. The, that comment. The, those stupid Siamese cats you get us every year for Christmas. I don't want any more Siamese glass cats. And he's like, the Siamese cat is a symbol of nobility in ancient Egypt. Oh my god, the band. Fuck no... Fuck ancient Egypt. Fuck nobility. Fuck cats. <laughs> uh, one of my favorites to, to bring it back to like on, like to the beginning of the movie, but when Pa is just like, "You ain't half the boy Nate was. You ain't even half the boy that the top <laughs> half of Nate was after you cut him in half." I was doing nothing. So you're saying that I'm less than a quarter than the boy Nate was, and then he responds with, "The wrong kid died." <laughs> and he storms off. Oh, uh, Mike already said this line earlier, but that line in the dark period where he's having sex with a girl and he just screams, "This is a really fucking dark period." Uh, <laughs> um, one I, like I love to that quote one. is is in the beginning when he he cuts his brother in half and the doctor comes out. He says, "This was a particularly bad case of somebody being cut in half. I was not able to reattach the top half of his body to the bottom of half of his body." And then Pa says. Speak English, Doc. We ain't scientists. <laughs> it's so it's so ridiculous. It's so good. I mean, yeah, man. Like, or at the t- the talent show, he sings the song "Hold My Hand," and then the preacher says, "You know who has hands? The devil," and he uses a hold. <laughs> Uh, oh my yeah, I, I love when when Dewey Cox is starting to get some success, and there's a scene with his mother, and she's just like, um, <laughs> when she's like, "Oh, I'm so glad, I, I'm so I'm so happy you became such a good guitar player," and he's and she's like, "Even though, uh, um, uh, even though you don't, <laughs> you lost your your sense of smell," and he's like, "It's okay, Mama. I learned how to play by ear." <laughs> it's just like. Oh my god, uh, it is so funny. It is um, so funny. Variety show Dewey is also some of my favorite quotes where um his manager's like, just tell him you're no longer mainlining PCP. <laughs> and then and, and then he's like, <laughs> like it's, he's like questioning whether like he's really not going to or not. 
Um, I love the interview with Jane Lynch where she's just like, she's like, oh, I know what it's like to be on a shithole TV show. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then he's like, what? And, he's, and then he just like goes like, watch a Dewey Cox show Thursday at 8. I'm no longer mainlining PCP and acid. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. When, uh, oh. when Craig Robinson's uh, nightclub entertainer that Dewey is working as like a cleanup boy at and he can't go on and the, the owner says, people come here to dance erotically. And, and then Bobby Shad, Craig Robinson says, I can go on. And he says, you maybe you should have thought about that before you punch your landlord while you got the laryngitis. Yeah. It, shows, it shows Craig Robinson, he has bandages all over his hands and he's speaking with this really hoarse voice. So stupid. Uh, I also love. It's kind of like you know. It's kind of like a. It's 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 a quote slash gag, but when he walks in on uh, them taking Viagra, mm. and he decides, you know, oh, I I can't I I can't I can't face these temptations, and he walks out, and the temptations are singing in like a in like a farewell. <laughs> he's like, ah, oh, the temptations. <laughs> yeah. like, it's just such a it's such a cheap joke, but it just makes me laugh so hard every time. Oh, that's a good one. Um, maybe, maybe last one, but uh, oh, the, where he's more. <laughs> where he's in where he's in prison, and and he's like, I have a, I I feel for these people. I just don't want to live with them. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one as well because it's just like I really have a new understanding for prisoners, except I just don't want to live with them and be here. <laughs> when when he's about to do his first recording in the studio. And all the Hasidic Jewish businessmen have brought him there. And he's singing That's Amore. And then the, the producer says, I have to say today, your performance has shaken my belief in the Jewish people. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. Or you got um, late in the movie. Just, to, you know, to finish Luke's mention of the Eddie Vedder, all the, all the, uh, aliases of Dewey Cox he finishes that quote he says if Elvis and Buddy Holly are the Cain and Abel of rock and roll and Bruce Springsteen is Zachariah Iggy Pop is Methuselah of course Neil Young is the wise prophet Ezekiel <laughs> what does that make Dewey Cox it's like, what the fuck are you talking about that's why that's one of my favorite cameos oh it's so God. stupid or, or when he, he, he cuts his dad in half his dad's you know halved and the top half he's talking to the top half of his dad on the ground and the dad says i wish i'd spent more time playing catch with you and less time training my body and mind to kill you <laughs> to kill you in a machete fight <laughs> i never realized how easy it was to have somebody <laughs> oh my God. so crazy so crazy uh, man classic, classic. i really love this movie really does like hold up so well for oh. a comedy for me, like the way like not a lot of movies do, especially parody movies. Oh man, dude, I love the scene where he he finally regains his sense of smell <laughs> and he's smelling everything. He's like horse shit, and he's like smelling it, and Jenna Fisher's in the back, and she's like, "Smell that shit, baby!" <laughs> I like that she she just screams, "It's a miracle!" <laughs> she looks so crazy. <laughs> Oh man! So, yeah, such a quotable movie. So moving funny. into some of the some of the substance of the movie, though, you know, we were talking about how they really did have to write songs from scratch yeah. for this film, and like how a lot of the songs are absolutely ridiculous at times, but sometimes really, really good. So, uh, leading into you know the song part of the podcast, I mean, when it comes to ridiculous song, granted, it's not a song that. It was the song that was already written, but the That's Amore is just so <laughs> fucking ridiculous to me. It's like, ling that's Amore. He's doing the hand thing. Like, it's just so ridiculous. Um, it's so, so good. And then uh, Let's Duet, I like, I think is, is yeah. such a great song because it, it leads up with, leads in with the pun almost. And then, like, you know, so. Uh, I just want to blow you. Some kisses. Yeah, yeah. I just want to beat off all these demons. Like, <laughs> they're so cheap and so silly, but like, yeah, those two songs for me 
let's do it. Yeah. And then the That's Amore was just, I love those as mm. being the most ridiculous songs. <laughs> oh, my favorite song for the movie is the one, I think it's only in the end credits. I'm not, I forget where it is in the movie, but it's the song uh, Dewey Cox Died Today. Mm-hmm. And that song where he's like, Dewey Cox Died Today. Like, I just love how it's like, it's so dramatic and like, um, like Dorsey and I don't know. I just, I love it so much. That's probably my, one of my favorites in the movie. My other one is um, the uh, Darlene, that song where it's like, I'm having fun with you. I'm all around with you. Um, I, Cause I just love how like, like dumb John C. Riley like sounds <laughs> and looks when he's like singing it. Um, and the montage is pretty great, but um, yeah, Dewey Cox died today. He's uh hands down my favorite it's so dramatic i think the the most ridiculous song is when he fills in for bob bobby shad and the bad man <laughs> and he's in the all-black nightclub and it's a complete ripoff of the scene in ray where ray charles has to go up on stage and dewey cox goes up he says hi i'm dewey cox and I'm, bobby shad's not feeling well but i'm gonna do his act tonight and then he breaks into a complete southern black accent and he's talking about like when when your lady catches you in some strange ha yeah yeah and everyone's just staring at him and then he busts into Bobby Shad's song which is called You Got to Love the Negro Man and it's so crazy it's so and everyone starts like swing dancing it's so ridiculous but or like dirty dancing yeah. like it's like the nas yeah it's, so it's like uh as the camera moves across the dance floor, everybody's like um, dance moves gets more sexual. <laughs> like there's, the, there's like the head grabbing and oh, the so dry humping. Yeah, and some some like, of the other crazy ones we mentioned, but you know, let me hold you. With, with the short people is uh, pretty funny. the The royal jelly, the Bob non Bob Bob Dylan nonsense song is pretty crazy, and a uh, black <laughs> sheep, the one. He's making the Brian Wilson like like good vibration song about cutting people in half. <laughs> it's so crazy. I love but there's it. also oh. some really good songs in this movie. Like, how about this for a fun fact or a not so fun fact? Like, there's an Academy Award uh, category best original song. You know how which song from this movie was nominated for that? Uh, walk the the title cut. Walk hard. None of them. No, you know how many you know oh, how many man. songs from the movie Enchanted were nominated in that category? Oh, like five. Three of the five nominations were from Enchanted, and they didn't give one goddamn nomination to this movie, which is a goddamn shame. Because this movie yeah. it is has, has some really good songs. Walk, Walk hard is a really good song. My favorite song is uh, "A Life Without You." It's the one he sings. Yes. After performing after Elvis, it's so Roy Orbison. It's so it's a really good song. It's a really really good song. And he hits some good notes. Yeah, too, man. Like, life without you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh, I the opening line to that song is brilliant. I have a, the perfect life. I have perfect the perfect wife. wife. <laughs> yeah. It's like his life is like miserable, <laughs> and she hates him. I love it so much. <laughs> But the music of that song is so good. It's like so powerful. It has like the timpani, like triplets. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Yes. Um, amazing. You have any, yeah, that any, was a great. Any other mentions, Mike? Um, I, I, even though it's, it's like a funny joke, I do love Take My Hand. It's so like. Yeah. Yeah. The first one, the Beatles early one. Yeah. 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 Like it's so, that one, I don't know. That for me was so much fun. And then, of course, Guilty as charged. Uh, guilt, I was going to say, that's a great song. Guilty as charged. With all the trumpet players. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it perfectly like captures that Johnny Cash period of fire, Ring of Fire yeah. and the, the Matador, Don't Take Your uh, Guns to Town, Bill. I love that whole scene. Yeah, it's so good. But yeah, yeah. So, Luke, what's your favorite song, man? Um, I mean, it, it's definitely Dewey Cox, uh died today because i just love like how weird and like like touching and like how like just it's it's the, a really creepy song i think it's played in the end credits um but like i know they didn't write this one for the movie but it's obvious i star man still just the bowie cover <laughs> is like one of my favorites just the way john c Riley like handles the vocal on it is like so perfect because like 
the way he sings that song is like he doesn't like register any of the words as like they have any meaning together and it's just singing them like it's nonsense and that's why i really like it um so that was pretty cool but um yeah it's I, it really just like um the the holding hands one I I really really love because he like points at Edith and that's one of my favorite scenes. A beautiful ride. That one's good too. That's when he sings at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That like sums yes. up his whole life. That one's actually a really good song. <laughs> the the album is available on Spotify. I, Mike and I listened to it. I don't know if we checked it out, but oh, yeah. I did. I listened to a lot of it. That's where I was like listening to the Dewey Cox's Dead One and stuff. Um, also, did you guys check out like him performing? Uh, live as Dewey no. Cox, like any of those YouTube videos. No. Oh my God! There, it's like it's really, it's really cool to like to see it. Like I almost wish he would do it again mm. and like make it like a real like comedy like special because I would die. Like you know, like Adam Sandler does like the musical shows, mm. like comedy shows. I would die to see a Dewey Cox one. That would be oh Did my he God, do so precious and stuff like that. The, I don't know. I just like some of the ones I saw. The Knitting Factory. He was like shirtless, like Jim Morrison style, <laughs> like <laughs> like doing that whole thing. So <laughs> like it should, uh, the pointed out like the uh, the movie poster to this too is the Jim Morrison uh, pose. It's got a name for it, but I can't remember what the name of the picture is. But it's that famous shirtless pose of Jim Morrison with his arms yeah, out. I always wish that there were more overt references to the Doors movie in this movie, but I think like. Wayne's World 2 kind of like beat that over the head so I don't think they did so much of it in this movie yeah I I would kind of think the same thing but I really uh they the ones they went to like they they went the parody like holes they went down mm. they definitely mined them very very accurately yeah. right on well there we have it then any any the any, any, any crazy moments we didn't mention that anybody wants to shout out Oh man! Uh, I'll, I'll shout think. out the fact that when Dewey reconnects with all of his kids, and he plays catch with them, he asks one of the kids, "He's like, how many brothers sisters do you have?" And he says, "I have, I have twenty two brothers sisters and fourteen half brothers sisters." So Dewey Cox had thirty six kids. <laughs> uh, oh gosh! I love when uh, when he when he tells. Uh, Jenna Fisher that he's gonna quit doing LSD and then as they <laughs> PCP and then he goes running down like Main Street in like a sumo diaper and then like climbs the climbs the building and he's like I am God I'm like the Lord I am Zeus, Zeus. <laughs> I am Zeus like that it was outrageous just like what the fuck is going on Luke talked about <laughs> one of his favorite tropes was the destroying the sinks I like when when he kills Pa and he destroys sinks and then he's like Cut, he takes scissors, he's individually cutting out flowers. He's he's punching shrubs, like punching shrubs in his house. <laughs> it's just so, and then he's like, he's losing steam. He's just like picking up a single plate at a time and just like dropping on the ground. <laughs> yeah, and like crying. <laughs> um also, I mean, we did talk about like the um I think we talked about like the drug the drug scene, but like every um like moving the story mm. along with what drugs he was doing at the time too was also very funny because it like lampooned every like drug excess of the era. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. Like especially when they like just breezed over like the he's doing uppers and downers now. It's the next logistical <laughs> it's the next step. Logical <laughs> step in his progression. <laughs> So, yeah, I just, I like the way how they moved, like, the story along. Oh, uh, one of the craziest things in this movie that we have absolutely not talked about is the, um, instead of doing the horrible trope of the naked female, um, oh, you know, yeah. like, groupie, they did instead, which I thought was incredibly funny, the male penis, <laughs> um, full frontal in this movie, <laughs> which was, I thought was so funny to me. To turn that around, instead of being like, look at this hot naked girl and all the groupies and sex, it was that scene where it was really just um, a lot of, like, full frontal male penis, and it was really funny to me, and I thought that was one of the, like, the best things in the movie, because it, it really put males front and center and, like, made it so, like, you'd be like, this, this whole thing, like, with the naked, like, because a lot of times in movies, it's ridiculous, and it, that, like, is making fun of that, and, like, it's all gross, and 
that scene to me is just great. Yeah, I love that it's, scene. It's perfect because very stereotypical movie. It shows the the it shows the room and everyone's pass out. And you do see like four or five naked women. So you're just like, oh, I guess it's one of those. But then Dewey's on the phone and just the guy hovers his penis right over his head for like 30 straight <laughs> seconds. While he's, he's like, you want some coffee or something, dude? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I just like that part too because it was kind of like, you yeah. know, just making fun of that whole, you know, naked girl. Just have a I, naked girl I like five-year-old Dewey when he goes into the general store. He sees the old men playing the blues. <laughs> And he's never played guitar before, but he plays it perfectly. And he has this old black man's voice when he sings. I reckon I got some blues. What does yeah. a five-year-old know about the blues? I called my brother and <laughs> hey. Like, not bad for your first time. I, I love Ma's death where she trips over the cable <laughs> of the radio and falls out the window and then the radio falls on her head. Yeah, and her paw's like, she listened to your music, and your music made her happy. And that, and then your music killed her. Uh, I I really like the talent show reaction when he's in high school, and he starts singing "Take Take My Hand," and the girls like immediately just rip off their shirts, and like people start punching a priest, and like and like ten seconds later, people are outside with torches and picketing it. So crazy. Oh, just about holding hands. <laughs> you know who's got hands? The devil. And he uses them for holding. Oh, man. All right. Well, on that note. The, that, that is the story of Duford Cox. Yeah, that's his name, Duford Cox. <laughs> Oh man. So anyway, yeah, if uh if you haven't yet watch Walk uh Walk Hard. It's an incredible movie, an incredible bi- incredible biopic. Also, we wanted to do this, we didn't say this because we joined a comedy podcast network predominantly. We wanted to uh spotlight some of uh music's lighter mm-hmm. side and uh how we can laugh at it. Is there yeah. do you have a takeaway from this movie like if you could say why you love this movie, what's the reason you love this movie? Um, I love this movie because it, 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 like, works as, like, a more modern-day Spinal Tap, and it really, like, it really pokes fun at, like, what people think is, like, cool to do, because, you, you know what I mean? Like, oh, it's cool to take drugs and be a racker, but, like, it just lampoons all those, like, um, things so well, and I just like how it works as a more modern sp- uh, Spinal Tap. Yeah, I would say the thing I love about it is very much like the reason why I love like Walk the Line and Ray in those movies because like aesthetically it feels legit. Yeah. Like the you know okay all right he's singing as Dylan and there's like modern cars in the background but other than that like everything else is pretty much like spot on like and it helps you believe the story and the fact that Dewey Cox's character believes in what he's doing so much that he really sells it, you know? And then everything else is just kind of funny around it because it's so ridiculous, but he's so like, no, I'm going to do this thing, you know? And then it just spirals out of control. But yeah, I, I just, for me, big big thing is the aesthetics. I love the the outfits and the, just the vibe and even like what I'm assuming were like certain types of camera filters to give you just like that 60s feeling and then that 70s feeling and all that stuff, so. Yeah, I have to agree, like, I love this movie because yeah, it's so out of control. It's such, it's like slapstick nonsense, but it's done with such a straight face and so seriously and like using every trope and every gimmick that's ever been used in a biopic. And the music is like legitimately, it's silly and stupid, but it's legitimately good music. (laughs) So like, I just think it's perfect. I think it's just spot on. It like makes me laugh so hard. Yeah. I think I think like the last thing thing about this movie too is like when a new biopic comes out, this mm. is the standard that you get held to because if you fall in all of these things, you made the Dewey Cox movie again and it's a joke. So like you know, like that's what I really, really like about it. Like it holds like if you're trying to make a serious biopic film, it really holds it to a new standard where you have to do it really well and really different so that you don't make 
the Dewey Cox yeah. story part yeah. two. So that's what I think the, the a great lasting legacy for Dewey Cox. <laughs> Walk hard. Walk hard. 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 Road. So yeah, man. Check it out. Walk hard. The Dewey Cox story. The wrong kid died. The wrong kid died. Um, don't forget to follow us. We're on Instagram. We're on <laughs> uh, everywhere you can find podcasts as well. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that good stuff. Um, and check out, yeah, Wasted Robot uh, Podcast yeah. Network. They've got a bunch of great podcasts on their network as well. We're happy to join them. And uh, they, they walk hard. They uh, guilty as charged. <laughs> 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 anyway, um, yeah. I've been Mike. I've been Jeff. I've been Luke. And, uh, don't forget to get in the garage, guys. We'll see you next week. Take care. Twoford. <laughs>